of 10 Minutes with the Master Enchilada Roller, Russell Ibarra. Today's date is June the 12th, 2020. And uh, my, last, my last podcast was May 22nd. And the reason I haven't done one in a while is because uh, ever since this, uh, this incident in Minneapolis, it's just, it's just thrown me for a, a loop. And then um, all the riots um, and every, just everything going on. And now this seems like uh, COVID just made a comeback and it's back in the news and Yesterday, the Harris County judge, uh, Lena Hidalgo, is talking about this this system where, um, you know, these different codes, and I think we're on level two or what have you, and of course, level one will go back to, a, a not a mandatory, but a, another stay-at-home shelter order. And so, although I believe the governor overrides that, but still, it's just the, all this crazy talk about trying to even consider shutting the, the economy down again would be a huge mistake. But um, anyway, the song you were listening to was um, Time, um, Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds. Uh, it's actually, um, the, the lyrics are actually from the Bible, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, I believe it is. And the song came out in 1965. But one of my favorite lines in the song is, uh, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together which is basically forgiveness and reconciliation. And I think that's what the country needs right now because um, there's, with all this rioting and, and uh, the, the Black Lives Matter movement that's going on, and it's also getting hijacked, by the way, by Antifa uh, that took over six blocks in Seattle. Um, it's just crazy times, things that I never thought I would see during my lifetime. But, uh, but anyway, here we are. But the reason I wanted to do one today, because today's a special date, a, a special anniversary, and, and joining me is our COO, Jonathan Kim, uh, which today marks your, what year with the company now, today? 20 years. 20 years exact. Exactly. Yeah, so last night, a group of us, 16 of us, got together, and we, um, we surprised him with a dinner at Steak 48, and it was funny because um, we, uh, we invited his son, Hunter to be there and and it was a funny story and I'm gonna let Jonathan share share that story and then uh, and something else that he talked about last night but anyway Jonathan welcome thank you um, <laughs> that was a funny thing funny thing because uh, when I drove up um, I have a single drive and so drove up to your house uh, to my house to go pick up Caitlin and I you know I don't like to be late to things so I told Caitlin we need to leave at five o'clock because I want to get there about five forty five. And because uh, obviously the reservation's at six. So I'm thinking, you know, it's just going to be me, you, and Joel. And so then this guy pulls up behind me, which I don't recognize. I don't recognize the car. I don't recognize him. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting in my car for a few minutes, seeing if he just pulled up into the wrong house or something. And then uh, I get out, and then I see Hunter run into the car, and I go, hey, where are you going? He didn't even, he didn't even answer. He said he didn't even hear me. But... Uh, and then when I got to the party, obviously he was there. Um, yeah, he had taken an Uber. Uber. Yeah. So 
I said, Hunter, did you hear me? And then he goes, no. And I, and, and, uh, but he did say the driver goes, Hey, are you trying to not let your dad know where you're going? <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. So, um, last night I, um, I surprised Jonathan with a special gift. Um, since I, I could not buy him a watch because he has a nice watch and, um, and you know, that's, kind of typically what people do uh, when, on, a, a, on a special anniversary with the company is buy them a, a company watch but uh, his watch is pretty pricey it's, it's a very nice what, what is it exactly it's called a, a deep sea sea dweller okay it's a rolex yeah it's beautiful and so uh, several months ago he was in vegas and it came up missing and so he had to end up buying another one but tell the story about what happened in vegas i think this is an interesting story well um on Tuesday, um, before March 6th, and March 6th was on a Friday, uh, we had a wild hair, me and my wife, and said, hey, let's just go to Vegas for the weekend. And this is obviously pre-COVID because the week after, I think, uh, is when things started shutting down. But then uh, we went there, uh, got there about 730 at night, uh, worked that day, got there, ate, and then gambled a little bit, got to the room about 1045 p.m., it was and your birthday weekend. It was my birthday weekend. So then, uh, you know, I like to sleep with the TV on because I have to have some noise and, you know, and obviously Caitlin's used to it now. Um, so we went to bed and I'm a pretty uh, uh, creature of habit. So once I get ready, I put my ring, my watch, my credit card and my ID all in the same area, which is over by the desk. And then, uh, you know, we wake up like normal about eight thirty, and then we see a light blinking light and the, so she calls down and they said hey we're trying to deliver a cake your host wanted a cake for you and so I said okay so they got there about nine and delivered it and he left and we got ready for breakfast well i go to the desk and i put my ring on i go caitlin where's my watch she goes well, are you sure you left it there and i said i always leave it there every time and so, lo and behold, you know, we tear the room up and everything. And so, we had to finally call security. Then we had to call uh, Las Vegas police. And then they had brought some information in and said, you know, um, y'all got in about 1045. I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, okay. We saw that the door clicked on your, um, your card. But it never, the door never clicked back. And they kind of showed us the door. And they kind of said, hey, when it opened up at, you know, 45 degrees, it didn't click back. And at 90 degrees it did click back and so forth so anyway um they said it clicked back about 1 30 in the morning so somebody came in your room and basically took your watch um and i said well that's the only thing that could have happened because right. we didn't get up until you know eight o'clock at first you thought it was the gentleman that delivered the the cake well i thought and i go is it possible that that guy could have taken my watch and uh I said, man, he would have been have to be really fast because I was standing between the desk and the table. And so, you know, I really thought about it and I go, he could have. That's the only logical reason because he looked like Lance Burton, the magician. (laughs) Yeah, he's actually an Asian dude. So but uh, um, well, lo and behold, uh, you know, I have never, ever, ever, ever staying at the wind latch my door ever which is crazy because i always do yeah and well i do now <laughs> yeah. so yeah. anyway but uh it was a weird lesson 
And then, so, uh, so after you, um, they, after you discovered exactly what happened, you get back to Houston. Of course, you know, you love your watch. You love a watch, having a watch, especially a nice one like that. Uh, you went and bought one. A new yeah. One, right? I, uh, you know, I don't wear a lot of jewelry. I wear a wedding and a watch. That's it. Yep. That's and all I so, wear. um, no, I kind of felt naked. So I told Caitlin, I was kind of bummed. Uh, I go, although, you know, it was for my week birthday and I thought it was a kind of a weird way to end it. And, uh, no, you know, nothing came of it. The police didn't find anything. And of course, you know, they're not going to. So I called around, I called, uh, um, Webster, a place on Rolex. And, and then I called and finally got a, uh, a contact in Galleria and, uh, they said they had one and the same kind that I had and so forth. And I said, uh, and then the other place, they didn't have any. And, and uh, I heard they're hard to get. So I said, hey, can y'all save it for me? I'll come down there right now. So I went down there. And uh, this lady that helped me, oddly enough, said, hey, you, you know Russell? And I said, yes. And she goes, well, he actually, when I worked for uh, Bailey. Bailey Banks and Biddle? Yes. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, and I, I, he came in and bought a bunch of watches, a couple of Concords, a bunch of tags. And I said, well, you know, I was a recipient of that Concord. I go, I remember exactly because it was for our contest. Anyway, lo and behold, she goes, well, here's my card. Will you give that to Russell and uh, let him know I said hello and I'm at this Rolex place now. So, Well, um, so again, I couldn't buy Jonathan a watch because he had one. So what he didn't know, because I'd asked uh, who, who that person was and he gave me the, the name, her, her business card. And so I reached out to her uh, via email and said, "Hey, um, I want to I want to pay off Jonathan's watch for his anniversary with the company. Is there a way you can do that for me?" And she said, "Well, we're not actually the finance company, but let me let me dig for some information. And I'll get back with you." So she did, and she um, so I, I reached out to the company on the phone, and actually I was able to pay it all online, which was incredible, um, and. Um, and so that was the surprise to him. And of course, he got some other nice goodies that uh, our marketing department put together for him, some Jordan wine and stuff. But it was a very nice evening. It was, it was fun hearing all the stories last night of the different uh, executives that were there. Uh, John Fernandez, Joel Perkins, Kevin Carroll, Matt Boucher, Joe Ivey, um, Danny Hanks, and of course, uh, Ugo Olvera, which you shared a story about Ugo. And Ugo's the uh, was the first person I hired. He and I, Ugo, are the only ones that have been with the company since the very first day, January eleventh of ninety three. And so, uh, Jonathan had his experience with uh, Ugo, just like Joel had, almost identical. And I want you to share that story because it was fun listening to it. Uh, and I know Ugo got a kick out of it. But uh, yeah, Ugo Vera. So uh, share that story about how y'all two butted heads one night during a shift. Yeah, and I need. Uh, I should have added to that story, and I forgot to, and I'll add it today. Um, so when I first came on board, um, I had to learn obviously our uh, food, and I was working the window, and uh, Fidel Alvarez was the one teaching me. So um, he's telling me the food and stuff like that. So uh, one day, um, you know, somebody messed up on the food, and there was a burrito. And burritos, once you roll it, you don't know what's inside of it. So. Um, they wanted beef fajita instead of chicken. And, and so I asked Ugo, I said, Hey, uh, I need another burrito and queso, but we need to put uh beef fajita. And he looks through the window and he goes, I need a ticket. And that's how he talks. And so I said, okay, we'll go, I'll get you one. Uh, but I need it right now because obviously these people 
he's the only, he's the only person not eating. Everybody else is eating. And he looks at the window and he goes, I need a ticket. And so uh, anybody that knows Ugo, that's exactly how he does it. And he always needs a ticket. And uh, one of the things I did not share is, um, you know, obviously we, it was a little frustrating. And so I had to have a manager go talk to the table. And I still did not have the burrito. And then Ugo is still telling me I still need a ticket. And I said, okay, fine. I will give you a ticket. Ring it in. And 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 I and it got me boiling a little bit. And I said, give me the damn burrito. And so anyway, after the shift, about uh, two to something, uh, after our lunch shift was over, I walked over to Russell's office uh, in the strip center. And I said, Russell, this guy, I don't know who this guy is, but oh, my God, this guy pissed me off and uh once i told him the story he goes well just uh fire him and i said fire him and he goes yeah but you just got to replace him so then i thought okay hang on a second let me go back and then i started talking to the managers in there and they were saying oh no no ugo's like uh two horses he works like two horses his name his nickname is dos caballos and i said well hang on a second so i gotta i gotta replace him with two people i go well let me let me see if i can work with him and then so, but what I, what I didn't share last night is the reason, you know, Ugo did not do it because he was trying to be a pain in my butt. He is consistent. He did it because he is, you know, he wants everything accounted for and he's very consistent and um, it's to protect the company. And well, you so, know, um, years ago when I worked at El Toro, I cannot tell you the number of times that I caught uh, cashiers or servers basically stealing. Um, it's called internal shrinkage in the industry. But, um, you know, one time I was serving on a grand jury. This is probably back in 87, and I was, it was about 4 in the afternoon, and I was driving back down Bayway Drive, and I passed up El Toro to go to the convenience store that was just a block over. And as I was passing it, uh, there was a lady walking out with two boxes, two to-go boxes. And um, so after I, I came back from the store, the first thing I did was um, I went to the kitchen because there wasn't a lot of orders at that hour. So I went to the kitchen and asked the cook, what was in those two boxes that just left the restaurant that you just made? And he told me. And so then I went back to the register. And back then the register was uh, they just used uh, the tape okay. system. It was an old, NCR. Yeah, NCR tape system. And I scrolled back to see if I could find the dollar amount that would match those two dinners that just left out. And there was nothing there to, to match it. So I asked the cashier at that point, I said, uh, on that order that was just left, uh, what was on it? And she told me, and it, was, it matched up what the cook had said. And I said, well, can you find it on this tape for me where you rang it up? And she couldn't, of course, and, um, and she was terminated. But I, I had caught so many people doing that. And, and so... Years ago, the old system was basically you get a guest check. You go to the table. A server goes to the table. They take their order. They write it down. They take it to the kitchen. The kitchen uh, gets it off the clip. They make the order. They put it on a tray. The server comes to the kitchen, picks up the tray, hauls it to the table, serves the guest. The guest eats the food. And then at the end of the meal, the, the server will hand them the guest check with the total on it. The guest, the, the, ser- the guest will now stand up, leave the restaurant, go to the cashier and uh, to pay their tab. Well, when they pay that tab, that is the point of sale or POS. Well, the computer systems today allow us to, uh, once an order is entered on the computer system, that is the sale, point of a sale. 
the point at which the sale was made. So that's why they call it point of sale. And so um, the, point, the, the computer system, when we opened up Gringo's in 1993, January 11th, that was the first brand new piece of equipment I purchased because it's probably one of the single most important because it controls what you can control. And now there are other ways to, to circumvent it, of course, but um, it, is, it is definitely an, an important piece of the equipment, uh, one of the most important pieces of equipment in your restaurant because it controls your money. And it's, it's funny you say that. Um, one time at when I first started at Laporte, it had had to have been at least a, um, a year after I started. Um, I thought I saw some. Uh, we were thinking there was some suspicious things going on with our dishwasher, and sure enough, the guy would take a six pack of beer, put it in the trash can, yep. take it out to the trash can area, and hide it behind the dumpster. And then get it later that evening. And so, lo and behold, we caught them, actually. Um, and, and we've caught several different people uh, in that way. But if you don't have those measures and you don't follow up and you don't follow through, then they know. They know your habits. And right. they will, if they're going to steal, they're going to steal. And they're, they're, they know your habits, so they'll continue to do it. Um, and so you get, you really got to, uh, obviously, once you catch them, let them go. And then make sure that you uh, protect the store with certain measures and you can't do everything but you got to do it you, you need to do what you can and uh, obviously can minimize uh internal shrinkage as much as possible uh, but what i like to tell other restaurant tours is you know what it happens everywhere and your job is just to keep it to a minimum and that's one of the things you do you, the one of the ways you can do that of course is is keeping a uh, a great positive environment and treating people with respect and not making them angry at you because um, a team member, uh, a disgruntled team member can do a lot of damage if they really want to with different things. I mean, we've had servers punch out computer screens um, because they were angry and, and just different things. So, you know, you just want to keep the peace because uh, they can do more damage to you than you can to them for sure if they really wanted to. Uh, but anyway, um, Anything else you want to share from the dinner last night? Uh, yeah. I, I had the, the steak. My steak was cooked perfectly. I mean, uh, Steak 48 does a fantastic job. For those that don't know, Steak 48, uh, the family that owns Steak 48, is actually the Mastro's family that owns that started Mastro's, but that Tillman Fertitta owns today. Because several years ago, Mastro's, uh, the family, and the steakhouse, which is actually not Steak 48, it's Steak 44 mm-hmm. out, of, out of the Phoenix area, or Scottsdale maybe, and um, when they came to Houston, uh, they could not. It took them a while to come to Houston because they could, they had a non compete clause with Mastros, and uh, but it's the Mastros family that opened up Steak Forty Eight, and they couldn't name it Steak Forty Four in Houston because of Forty Four Farms, uh, the meat company. So that's why it's Steak Forty Eight in Houston. But they do a fantastic job. Uh, I know you and I both like Table Five Hundred Two because it's uh, it's a four top table. That is, you're kind of enclosed in glass, sitting next to the kitchen, and you just see all the action back there, and it's fun to sit there, and and it's very quiet. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's a, it's a great table, and I know you were disappointed initially. No, yeah, because <laughs> that was funny. because when I invited you out to dinner on uh, last night, you were hoping we we're going to sit in that table, but when I told you that Joel and Jamie were joining us, uh, you said, "Dang it, we have to go sit somewhere else now." <laughs> And uh, but uh, but the great thing was we had a wonderful dinner with 16 of us yeah. and, and Hunter was able to join. And um, and yeah, it was just a great, great evening and a great reason to celebrate 20 years with the company. And 
and uh, everyone had some really great stories to share about you and and um, and Caitlin as well. And I know Caitlin um, has been such a positive uh, influence on, on in your life. I mean, ever since oh, you absolutely. met her, and um, and I'm glad to see that because you know I always tell uh, people that Monica, my wife, has always been my secret weapon. She's opened more doors for me than 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 I realized. <laughs> you know. Uh, women do that. They, a lot of guys don't realize that, but women do that for their husbands. They open doors, uh, opportunities, and I know uh, Caitlin has done that for you, and Monica has done it for me, and and it just helps us focus when we have a, a great um, house to go home to. You know, yeah. And, and, and Monica uh, has actually a very good intuition, and uh, I think they're a lot like Caitlin. Yeah, for sure. But uh, you know, um, you know, a good spouse, a good wife, a good mother. Uh, they make a house a home. It's not a home until they make it a home. And I know she does that. But anyway, um, anything else before we close it out? Yeah, I'll, I'll share a little bit. Uh, I did tell Hunter on the way home, um, uh, you know, obviously he got to witness what an incredible uh, company and what an incredible relationship we all have. Um, and I said, I hope, you know, you get to experience what I've experienced in the last 20 years. And, and that's why... The 20 years was really just a blip, and uh, and it's and it just incredible. So I know a long time ago, um, and we all know what a very generous person you are, and and I had wrote, um, I think, an email back to you after you did something. There's so many, so it's hard to tell, but uh, I wrote a thank you note back to you, and I said, um, you may not remember, but I do, because... You know, those things uh, stick in my head. I said, one day I would love to do something uh, and, and if I'm ever in a position to be able to help people as much as you do. And uh, sometimes it's not uh, monetary. So a lot of times what I try to do is help people with my time, my ear, advice. And then obviously coupled with that, put myself in a position where I can help monetarily. Um, so that being said, you know, I was, uh, you know, I slept on it last night and I thought, what an incredible, I, I was really just joyed, uh, happy that all of us got together and that was enough. And so, um, you know, last night I was thinking and I told you I woke up at midnight and then I put a movie on cause I couldn't go to, back to sleep. And then I woke up this morning and, you know, and certain things in your head. So, I thought, you know, how do I pay something back for, pay it forward? And um, so I, I'm going to write a note to uh, David Malsby at Camp Hope and whatever my payment was, and because I had 0% financing, I'm just going to pay them that payment for 10 months. And that's exactly what I was going to do. That's when it was going to be paid off. So um, I, I, I really, like I told David, I said, what our veterans do for us I don't want them to be a thought just on Memorial Day, Veterans Day. It has to be a thought every day because there's 22 veterans every day committing suicide. And uh, we need to bring awareness. And also, you know, Camp Hope is not something that is just only on certain times. They, they're always on my head. Um, and I know you're a big component of it. And uh, I just feel compelled that I need to do that. And so uh, I appreciate you doing what you did so that I could be able to do what I do. Well, that's and, great. That's, that's great. I know they'll be very, very appreciative of it. Of it. I know their, um, their contributions or donations to Camp Hope have been down since the COVID-19. 
And so if any of you are listening and you want to make an impact on someone's life in a small way, you don't have to be, you know, thousands of dollars, but I mean, 50 bucks, 25, a hundred, whatever, just send it to camp hope. Um, uh, you can go to their website and, and hit the donate button at uh, ptsdusa.org and um, they can use it for sure. And so anyway, well, listen, uh, thank you again, Jonathan. Uh, like you said, uh, uh, 20 years went by so quickly. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I'm, you know, I think about the future a lot uh, because uh, it, the window uh, of my future obviously shrinks. We, it's shrinking for everyone. And so you want to make the most of it. Um, I, uh, I told, I gave an analogy once about, you know, if I were to, uh, well, for one, I, I really enjoy uh, the life I've been able to experience. And it's been an incredible ride. And I use the analogy of a, an amusement park, how, you know, uh, sometimes you get on that roller coaster and you ride it and it was such uh, an exciting ride. You want to get back on it and keep riding it and riding it. But, you know, while you're doing that, uh, there are so many other rides within the park itself that you have not yet, ex- yet experienced. And there are some things I want to do. And um, hopefully um, if I can make them happen, uh, I would do them. But, you know, I, I think that life is so short. It's it's an incredible journey and you want to make the most of it. And, um, and you know, when you surround yourself with great people, that, that makes it happen. Uh, when I was look, looking at everyone, all the leaders in the company last night, uh, I was thinking to myself, if I were to ever pull myself out of the picture, um, the, the, the culture, the philosophy of the company would continue easily for another 20 years uh, because every one, of, every one of y'all could easily take over and, and continue uh, without a doubt because y'all understand and um, y'all understand everything about the company, what makes it gringos and so makes it so unique and why we've been able to experience the success level that we have. And I'm obviously eternally grateful for that. And I know you are as well and so many others in the company. But anyway, thank you again. Thank you, Jonathan, for joining me. Uh, congratulations on 20 years with Gringos Tex-Mex. Um, I'm glad our lives intersected because uh, I know uh, you've been in, you've been a major part of this incredible journey, and I want to thank you for it. So anyway, with that said, uh, have a great day, and thank you again, Derek, for putting this together. And uh, go out and have a great weekend.